I want to invite Andrew up. Um, we're going to take a pause in the service. While we've been celebrating Thanksgiving and eating and shopping, it's been a heavy week, especially here in Manchester and Baldwin. Less than a week ago, uh, an armed man entered the Catholic supply store just a few blocks from here and assaulted several women, shot and killed one. And that has affected our community. It reached into our congregation and affected our congregation. And so we, we wanted to take a moment in the service and just explore that before the Lord. Yeah, we, coming into the service, we knew we'd probably be all over the map in terms of what we were feeling. I spent Monday night praying with a group of our Summit High School leaders, and we were feeling anger. We were feeling um, just, just a lot of fear and, and a, a really deep and profound sense of, of sadness over what had happened. I know that um, many of you are probably still, still in that place this morning on, on Monday night as I was praying about it and, and thinking about this message, God brought the lyrics of a song that we sing sometimes on Sunday nights to mind. It's a song called Weep With Me and I wanted to read the lyrics for you this morning. They say, weep, weep with me. Lord, would you weep with me? I don't need answers. All I need is to know that you care for me. And it was just encouraging to me to remember that our God is a God who weeps with us in, in the midst of, of our sorrow. He feels it strongly with us. Um, and then the lyrics of the song continue. It says, yet I will praise you, yet I will sing of your name. Here in the shadows, here I will offer my praise. What's true in the light is still true in the dark. You are good and you're kind and you care for this heart. Lord, I believe you weep with me. And that line, what's true in the light is still true in the dark. It just, it stood out to me. It just encouraged me. It reminded me that we can cling to what's true about our God in, in the midst of, of the darkness. I was talking with one of our other pastors and he reminded me of Psalm 46, that God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when the earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the, the sea. We, we experience darkness this week and yet we cling to what's true about God. Yeah, and as I've been praying about it this week, God has brought 1 Peter 3.15 to mind. 1 Peter 3.15 reminds us that those of us that have Christ as our Lord should always be ready to give an answer for the hope that we have in Jesus. And in the midst of this darkness, we have the light of Christ's redeeming love. And that light never shines more brightly than against the backdrop of pain and violence and suffering. And so it's an opportunity for us as a congregation, as members of this community, to graciously and lovingly share the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. We, as his children, are never hopeless. And so as we go to prayer this morning, let's be open to both the pain and to the hope that we can enjoy and that we can share. Let's pray. Father, we come before you in the midst of pain and sadness. And I want to lift up the, those that were directly affected by 
the violence and the tragedy of this week. I want to lift up the family of the woman who was killed, her children, her husband, that you would just be their peace. And I want to lift up the others that were involved and that were assaulted, that you would be with them, that you would be close to them, that they would know you through your love and through those that you bring around them to share your love and to shoulder this pain and this burden. And that there would be healing and that your name would be glorified. Lord, thank you that you are a God of strength, that you are a God of, of justice, God. Um, you are a God who is, is the King of kings and the, the Lord of lords, and you are on your throne, God. And I pray for us as, as a community, both within these walls and outside of them, God, would we not give way to fear? God, would your presence comfort us in this time? God, as Kevin prayed, may we be a community of healing where we can share honestly about our struggles, about, about our hurts, God, and may your spirit bring about healing here in this place and, and in this community as a whole. And God, we pray, we pray for open hearts. I know Monday night we just prayed that in the midst of this, God, our community would turn to you, Lord, that, that our response would not be to, to look away, God, but to, to lift our eyes to you and, and, and to seek after you, God, to, to seek to follow you. I pray that you would, would help us with that because it's not easy, God. And as we go into studying your word, I ask that your spirit would, would be here working, teaching us, God, opening our hearts to, to hear what you would say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Kevin, thanks so much. Good morning, friends. Good morning, college students. It's really good to see you guys back with us. In uh, the very beginning of Charles Dickens' novel, A Tale of Two Cities, he writes these words. He says, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. It was the season of light, it was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope, it was the winter of despair. And I felt like those words would be appropriate because we, we've experienced the worst of times, darkness and despair this week. And then contrasted with that, we've also had uh, the, the light, the, the hope of, of moving into the holidays, of celebrating Thanksgiving with each other, moving into celebrating Christmas, a time where we experience hope and joy and peace, and at the same time, a lot of stress. And sometimes, in addition to that, darkness and, and despair as we think about uh, hurtful memories or loved ones that we've lost. Just within the holidays, we experience the best and, and the worst. I think this quote is, is so powerful because it describes what it means to be human in the midst of a broken world, a world that is created good by God, but a world where we experience the effects of sin and darkness. And in the midst of that, and us kind of being in that place, both as individuals and a community, I have felt in the last month God leading me to focus this morning on gratitude on thankfulness, thankfulness in the light and thankfulness in the dark as well. I really wanna dive deep into what God's word teaches us on gratitude. He has taught me so much through the passages that we're gonna look at. And as we look at what the Bible teaches about thankful, thankfulness, I, I wanna keep Dickens' tension 
in, in mind. Thankfulness in the light and in the dark, in times of hope and in times of despair. We're going to be looking at three truths about gratitude, but as a disclaimer as we start, I just wanted to admit I'm not very good at gratitude. <laughs> Anyone else there with me? I just realized as I studied this, wow, I'm not great at this. And so often as we prepare sermons as pastors, God ends up speaking to our own struggles and our own challenges. And that definitely happened for me as I prepared this message. I realized that I had three um, three kind of personal misconceptions about gratitude that kept me from thinking about it a lot, kept me from noticing it in, in God's word. And it's just not really something that I was living out or practicing in a song way. And I wanna share those with you. The first of my misconceptions about gratitude is that it wasn't really relevant to life's challenges. Uh, how many of us here spend a little time saying something we're thankful for uh, during Thanksgiving, <laughs> kind of around the table. Oh, yeah, a lot of us do, and it's great that we do that on Thanksgiving. It's nice that we're thankful at Christmas time, but I just kind of felt like, you know, for the other 363 days of the year, I'm just not sure that gratitude has a whole lot to offer when it comes to challenges and busyness and, and stress and just all that we encounter. So that was my first misconception that God had to work on, on me on and, and teach me about. The second misconception was that gratitude isn't really an important part of, of discipleship. I knew that God's word talked about it. I knew that it even commanded it in places, but I just felt like if you were gonna make a list of 50 things that were really important for a follower of Jesus, I felt like gratitude would maybe be 52. You know, it was, it was there, it was on the radar screen, but it wasn't really an essential part and it just wasn't actually that important. And God taught me a lot about that as well. The, the final misconception that I had is that gratitude could somehow be self-generated. That kind of, regardless of your personality, there, there are people who are really thankful naturally. There are people who kind of struggle with that or more negative. But regardless of personality or disposition, that somehow you could will or manufacture gratitude in, in your heart. Either by reminding yourself to be thankful, by working really hard at it, maybe by... Um, creating the perfect set of circumstances, the perfect holiday dinner, the perfect Christmas experience for your family, or just getting everything right in your life so that you magically reach this place of being content and, and thankful. God showed me that that's not the case. I, I came across a quote that relates to this third misconception, and uh, this author said this, not a Christian, but I felt like he was right on in, in this area of gratitude. He said, gratitude is a joyful echo of the joy we feel, of further happiness for the happiness we have been given. I like that, I think it's really nice writing that as we look back on experiences and are thankful for them, we kind of experience an echo of the joy and the thankfulness that those experiences brought us. He says, the pleasure of receiving, the joy of being joyful, what could be easier? I mean, which of us wouldn't want to constantly experience being, being thankful? It's a positive emotion to feel. But he goes on and he says this, still, in the case of gratitude, the surprising thing is not the pleasure so much as the difficulty. Gratitude is a mystery not because of the pleasure it affords us, but because of the obstacles we must overcome to, to feel it. I was talking with Kevin about this. There's so many obstacles that we feel when it comes to gratitude. We live in this consumer culture that intentionally fosters discontent in us 
so, so that we'll buy, buy products through, through advertising. We also live in a social media, Facebook, Instagram culture where we're constantly comparing ourselves to others best with the pictures that they post online. I think that makes it difficult to be thankful when we look at our own lives. And most deeply, what I saw in my own heart with the struggle of gratitude, that it wasn't easy, it wasn't just something I could generate, was the way that I, I experienced being bent towards distrust in relationship, in, in my relationship with God. It's like, even after walking with him for years and years, I questioned God's plan and his providence. And as I thought about it, I realized it's really difficult to be thankful for a gift if you doubt the intentions of the giver. Have any of you ever received a gift that you know kind of has um, an agenda to it at Christmas? Like someone gave you something and you're like, oh boy, I got to give them something back now. Or someone gives you something, but it's really for them, you know, and they give it to themselves by giving it to you. It's hard in those moments to, to actually sincerely, deeply be, be thankful. And I think there's something there that connects with God. If we're in a place of doubt and mistrust with God, it's difficult to be thankful to him because we struggle to trust him. I think it, it, like a fundamental level in my heart, I was struggling with thankfulness because I was struggling with trusting God. I think those are so related. And so those were my misconceptions about gratitude, that it isn't really relevant, it isn't really that important, and you can just kind of manufacture it and that it can be self-generated. This morning, I want to look at three truths that completely transformed the way that I saw gratitude. And the truths not only that impacted how I saw gratitude, but also really how I saw God. These truths helped me trust God in, in a deeper way. And I think because of that, these are truths that can help us with that, that tension that we looked at in that Dickens quote of, of us entering into giving thanks in the light and the dark, in times of hope and in times of despair. Um, as we dive into studying God's word, I know we prayed earlier, but could we just pray again and ask God to, to speak to us through this? God, as we, as we turn now to your word, I ask that um, you would just be our teacher, God, that you would open our eyes to see things, that you would give us humble hearts to hear from you. Um, and I pray that uh, you, would, you would be with me and, and help me to, to be faithful as, as I teach. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to look, um, I want to give you the points we're going to talk about right away. Here's the three truths. You don't have to remember these right now or write them down. We're going to walk through them one by one. But here's the three truths. First of all, God invites us to give thanks authentically. And then second, that God calls us to give thanks constantly. And then third, finally, God enables us to give thanks through our connection to him. Let's start with this first truth that God invites us to give thanks authentically. We're going to look at Psalm 109. You can turn there in your Bibles now. We'll be in Psalm 109, verse 22 to 26. We'll have it up on the screen. It's also on YouVersion Bible app. If you go to efree.org slash Bible, you can grab that and click on the events and, and our church and all of the scripture will be there for you. We will be looking at quite a bit of, of scripture this morning. There's no kind of one passage on gratitude. It's through a bunch of smaller passages. So we'll be, we'll be looking around at different verses, but we'll have them up on the screen. We're going to start out in Psalm 109, 22 to 26. The, the context for this is that David is going to model giving thanks in the midst of a difficult situation. He's been accused, he's been betrayed by some really close friends, and it's really painful for David. And so here's what he says. He says, God, I am poor and needy, and my heart is full of pain 
I'm fading like a shadow at dusk. I'm a joke to people everywhere. When they see me, they shake their heads in scorn. And David is so honest here. He just lays out exactly how he is feeling to God. And it's interesting to think about, this wasn't just one of David's personal prayers. The the Psalms were really the hymn book of Israel. It was the songs that they sang together in corporate worship. And so these words were on David's mouth, but they also would have been sung by the Israelite community as they gathered week after week. Isn't, Isn't it interesting that God, as he inspired the songs that Israel would sing included material like this, that they would sing together, God, I'm poor and needy and my heart is full of pain, that in reflecting on David's challenges, they'd have a voice to bring their own challenges and their own pain to God. Our our God is a God who invites that kind of authenticity in in our prayer and, and in our worship. He wants to come He wants us, rather, to come to him authentically. And and then the psalm goes on. It says, help me, O Lord my God. Save me because of your unfailing love. Let them curse me if they like, but I will give repeated thanks to the Lord, praising him to everyone, for he stands beside the needy. And so in the midst of of pain and and betrayal and and abandonment, David is honest with God and then he asks God to help him and and to save him because of God's love. And then he says, I will give repeated thanks. Not, Not necessarily for the circumstance, but because God is a God who stands beside the needy. It's, it, it might feel like David just magically flips a switch and kind of moves from pain on, on the one hand to thankfulness. And, and maybe David is just uh, more emotionally nimble than us and he can just go between one and the other. But I don't think that's, that's what was happening. David is human, just, just like us. And I think here in this psalm, David is experiencing deep pain and he's also voicing a depth of thankfulness to God. There, there's this coming together, this, this existing together of these in, in the psalm. And as I started to think about it, I started to notice that all over scripture. I, I saw it throughout the psalms as God's people just pour their heart before God with this gut-wrenching level of honesty. And yet in the very same psalms offer these incredible expressions of thanks to God, that God, why have you left me alone? Why have you abandoned me? How long must I wait, God? Still, I trust that you're good. I trust in your unfailing love. In the Psalms, we see these two exist together. In the Apostle Paul, in his writings, we see these exist together. Paul was so honest and authentic with those he wrote to about the challenges he faced. He talked about being perplexed and hard-pressed hard and, and crushed. Even to the point in Corinthians, he talks about despairing even of life itself. And yet, Paul's letters are so full of thanksgiving for Paul These existed together. We see it also in the life of Jesus. Think about the the time when Jesus loses his good friend Lazarus. He weeps with Mary and Martha. It says he was deeply moved. Jesus experienced this grief and the sorrow and even this anger in the face of death. And just a few verses later, Jesus says, he lifts his eyes to heaven. He says, God, thank you that you have heard me. It's like Jesus is thankful even in the midst of all that strong emotion. I think what we see in in the Psalms and in Paul and in David is that thankfulness and authenticity can exist together. We we don't have to cover up our pain or our sorrow or grief when we come to God to be thankful. God invites us to give thanks authentically. I thought about it this way and in my mind we could illustrate this with the following diagram. For me, I mentioned earlier, I felt like 
thankfulness just wasn't that relevant to life's challenges. You had um, thankfulness over here and then strong emotions like fear or grief or sorrow over here. And I just felt like there was a line in between them and that they shouldn't really meet in the middle. You, you shouldn't really cross over that line. But that's not the biblical understanding that I saw. I think a, a biblical understanding would look more like this, that there's actually a place where those can meet together in, in the middle and that that place is actually... It's actually a place of deep connection with God, a deep connection with others. It, it, it can even be a sacred space where we experience God in, in a really profound way. About five years ago, um, right before Amber and I got married, my, my grandma passed away. And uh, she was the only grandparent that, that I had left. And at the time I was um, doing some counseling, just working through some of my own personal journey and, and brokenness and story. And, um, Part of that for me was not having a, a very big family. And so this was only really the second funeral that, that I had attended, even as a 25-year-old. And it stood out to me how at the funeral there was so much sadness and simultaneously these experiences of joy and, and laughter. And I was sharing that with my counselor, just, just kind of making note of it. And he said, yeah, it's funny how closely connected those two are. I said, what do you mean? He said, yeah, we tend to think of, of grief and of, of joy as these kind of opposite ends of the spectrum, but actually they're closely linked and that to feel one of them strongly, you need to open up your heart to feel the other. And I kind of thought, I thought to myself, oh, that explains a lot of my emotional issues that, that I have, a lot of my struggles. Um, but I just thought, wow, I had never thought of it that way before. And as I started to, to practice that with God, it changed my relationship with God. It changed the way that I interacted. Something my counselor said is you, you don't have to selectively or you can't selectively mute emotions. And just this idea that God doesn't ask us to selectively mute emotions when we come to him. We can bring him our pain and our sorrow and, and our thanks and our joy and, and those can exist together. The, the second truth that I want to look at is that God calls us to give thanks constantly. We looked at how God invites us to give thanks authentically, that God calls us to give thanks constantly now. I want to look at Colossians uh, 3, 15 through 17. I'll give you a minute to turn there in your Bible. Colossians 3, 15 says this, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you were called to peace. And always be thankful. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And then it goes on to say, and whatever you do, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus. Let's read this last part together. Giving thanks through him to God the Father. I think this verse hits on some really important truths. In verse 15, Paul commands us to always be, be thankful, that it's something we're called to constantly. It's a command, and so it's something that we need to make an intentional decision to respond to in obedience. And it's a command that isn't limited by time or, or by circumstances. We're called to always be thankful. We see this again in, in verse 17. As Paul says, in whatever you do or whatever you say, and that's an incredibly all-encompassing phrase. I mean, whatever you do, whatever you say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus giving thanks. That giving thanks is supposed to define and mark and influence all that we do as, as Christians. It's this constant calling. 
This stood out to me in so many different passages. Another one, a common one, maybe some of us have this at home on, on a frame or on a plaque, was 1 Thessalonians 5.16, where it says, Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. And again, that we can be thankful authentically in the midst of, of all circumstances, but that it's a constant calling nonetheless. It's, it's something that God wants us to, to practice in an ongoing kind of way. I mentioned earlier that, that misconception that I didn't feel like thankfulness was really all that important. And God just shattered that as I studied this topic in, in God's word. He showed me that thankfulness is, is really important. It's supposed to be a defining characteristic of being a follower of Jesus. And, and also that, that the opposite is true. And in Romans 1, Paul has this long list of um, ways that people rebel and, and are wicked against the Lord. And here's how he starts off that section of scripture. He says, yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. That verse really convicted me. There's something about thankfulness that's a mark of a follower of Jesus. There's something about thanklessness that actually shows we're, we're in a place of rebellion and, and rejecting God. God calls it to be um, something that we constantly carry on, on our journey of following God. I was thinking about how to illustrate this. My brother-in-law, Jesse, actually did a cross-country walk. He walked all the way from California to, to Florida. It was an incredible feat. He was in a bonfire accident, and it took him some time to heal from those wounds. And he was so um, inspired by the care that he received in this burn unit that he decided to walk across the country to raise money for, for other victims and, and donate all the money to this clinic. And so he started out in California and he had, um, he had this big hiking cart that he was going to push all the way with all these supplies with water and food and, and clothing and, and a tent and, and this kind of stuff. And the first part of his walk went pretty well, but then he hit the California desert where the wildfires are raging right now. Now, and he faced strong winds. He said the winds were so strong they would lift him off his feet at times. He could lean all the way forward into the wind and it would push him back. He faced these intense temperatures. He faced heat and, and being cold at night and just the exhaustion of, of walking that long, of walking 30 miles a day. And he realized he had to leave some of his supplies behind. He just simply couldn't carry that much with him. And so he left his cart on the side of the road. He left some, not all, of his water. He left a lot of the food that he had brought. And by the end of the trip, when he had it down, all he carried was a tarp, a jacket, and, and a water bottle. He had to let go of some things that weren't essential so that he could carry the things that really mattered. And as I thought about it, I just felt like God was saying to me, Andrew, Giving thanks matters. It's an essential. It's not something that you can just leave on the side of the road when it comes to your journey of following me. You need to carry this. It's really, really important. And so I want to wrestle with, with this question for just a moment. Is there something that you need to let go of so that you can carry thankfulness? Is there something that, that you need to let go of? Maybe it's it's a fear about the future. Maybe it's this deep longing that, that you have for something. Maybe it's clinging to your own self-sufficiency. I think sometimes we just carry so many things around with us that we don't really have room to, to carry gratitude. Or, or maybe it's guilt for something that you've done. Maybe you've made a mistake. You, you've fallen in some way or committed a sin and you're clinging to this sense of guilt because it gives you some sense of control 
Friends, God invites you to to let go of that and trust in what Jesus has done for you on the cross so that you can carry thankfulness. There may be things we need to to let go of. I know that was true in, in my life. So we've seen that God invites us to give thanks authentically, that he calls us and and really commands us to give thanks constantly. Lastly, I want to look at how do we become the kind of people who who live this out? It it definitely isn't easy to to give thanks authentically and constantly. How do we become people who, who embody this? And I want to look at what God says in Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7. If you're still in Colossians 3, you can just Flip, uh, flip a page over to the, the next chapter. Here's Colossians 2. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. I love that last line, that overflow with thankfulness. I think it shows us that thankfulness is really an overflow of of our connection to to Jesus. It's not something that we manufacture, kind of work up in and of ourselves through this strong sense of self-will. It's an overflow of our connection to to the Lord, a, a relationship that's based on grace and trust and faith in a relationship where we, we respond to that by reading scripture and by spending time in, in his word and by, by prayer. As, as believers, those are our roots. I, I love the imagery in, in this passage as well where it says, let your roots grow down into him. Uh, I get the image in my mind of this really strong tree with a massive trunk and these huge branches and just these roots that sink down into the soil to nourish the tree. And as believers, our, our walk with the Lord, those are our roots. It's how we stay connected to him. And as we spend time with him there, it's just natural. We overflow with thankfulness. I also love the line where it says, let your lives be built on him. And here I get the image of a home, this large brick home that's weathered years and years of wind and and rain and storms because of the strong foundation that it has. And our our foundation is, is God's truth. As we build our lives on what he says is true about us and true about him, and true about our circumstances, we develop this foundation of, of trust. And I think it's a foundation that allows us to give thanks in the midst of all seasons. I think these um, images also help us realize that becoming a thankful person doesn't happen overnight. It's not, it's not an instantaneous process where we just snap our, our fingers and start to work hard at it and become thankful. It takes time. It needs to be cultivated. And and one of the things that really stood out to me in scripture is that it needs to be cultivated in the context of prayer. I I had never really noticed this connection before, but once I started to see it, it was just all over scripture. Look look with me at at the following verses. We'll go through several really quickly. In Colossians 4.2, it says, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. They are in close proximity with each other. We see, we see both. And then again, in Philippians 4, 6, a verse I'd read so many times but never noticed this connection. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. In 1 Timothy 2, 1, it says, I urge, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them intercede on their behalf and give thanks 
for them. I know we're kind of moving really quickly through these verses, but for Paul, it just seemed like these two constantly showed up together. And, and then in the passage we looked at earlier in 1 Thessalonians, where it says, um, always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances. Friends, I think there's such a connection here. There's something about prayer that, that cultivates and generates this, this thankful heart to God. As we spend time in prayer, he starts to transform and change the way that we see our circumstances. He, he changes the way we see, we see God and the way that we see ourselves. I, I came across a quote that I felt like captured this. It says this, to be grateful is to see God, the world, and ourselves aright to recognize that all of life is a gracious gift from his hand. I think when we spend time thanking God in, in authentic prayer, there's just something about that that transforms the way that we see our circumstances. I, I experienced this personally in kind of a, um, a fun and, and a silly way. This, this last week, my wife and I went up to visit some friends in Hannibal, Missouri, who pastor a church, and we enjoy playing board games together. And on the very first move of the game, something happened where it was just obvious that I was going to lose. <laughs> it, it was like um, playing Monopoly, and you lose all your properties on the very first go around the board and you're stuck with just the two, I think it's the brown properties at the beginning of the board. You're going to lose. And there's nothing more miserable than playing Monopoly for three hours when, when you know you're toast. <laughs> but it, we weren't playing Monopoly, but this was kind of the, the equivalent. And I just thought, oh man, um, I, I tend to not handle those situations very well. <laughs> I'm pretty, can be negative and be a sore loser. And God just nudged me and just said, Andrew, why don't you actually try to, to practice what you're preaching on? Like, how, how about you express some thankfulness to me? And so I just started, I was hesitant at first, but I started to thank God for my friends and, and um, just for the way that they reflect him. I started to thank God for the memories that we had shared together. I started to thank God for some of the things that, that were true about him. And it just completely transformed the way that I interacted with that half hour. I, I still lost badly, <laughs> but, but it transformed that, that time for me. There's something about thankful prayer that, that does that. Uh, another story um, that my mom shared with me as I was sharing with her what I was going to be teaching on. Uh, my mom, as you know, is a musician. She plays piano, and all my life she has... Uh, wrote these beautiful songs to God that are based in scripture. She's wrote different songs for plays and performances that have taken place here at church. And my mom shared the story of the first song that she ever wrote. It, it was this song that flowed out of um, this really, this intense season of, of difficulty for her. Uh, her father was living up in Iowa at the time and was struggling and losing a battle with cancer. And my mom went up and spent about three weeks with him. And, and she just realized as it was time to go and get back on the plane to head to St. Louis that this was probably going to be the last time that she saw, saw her father and got to interact with him. And so it was really difficult to get on the plane. And she, she boarded the plane and took a seat and she just began to pour out her heart to God and what she was feeling. And she said, in that moment, God brought to mind a song. She, she had never written a song before, but God brought this song to mind. It was an incredible song of, of joy and thanks. And even though she was in a place of feeling so much darkness and despair, it was exactly what she needed in that moment. And it was just, it was just the voice of God to her that said, 
Marlis, I'll be with you. I will walk with you. I'll be faithful to you even in this. As she, as she described it, it was like her connection to God's spirit just enabled that song of joy and that song of thanks to, to flow out of her in that moment. God enables us to give thanks through, through our connection to him and, and really through his, his connection to us. God is so faithful as, as we come to him honestly just to remind us that we can trust him, to remind us that he is good and that he has a plan for our lives. And out of that, this constant and authentic gratitude can, can flow. I want to invite our worship team uh, back to, to the stage. Throughout scripture, we see this connection between being thankful and between singing. Uh, Paul commands us in several places, sing songs with thankful hearts in your God, thankfulness in your hearts to God. We see it all throughout uh, the Psalms. And so we wanted to end our service this morning with a song of thanks. And this is a, a song that's based on Psalms 136. Psalm 136 is an amazing psalm of thanksgiving. It repeats this refrain, God's faithful love endures forever. I want to read this together. And as we do, take note of all the different situations where God's people are called to give thanks. There's these moments of deliverance and, and there's moments of, of struggle and, and challenges. But in all of them, God's faithful love endures forever. I, I'd like to invite you to stand and let's read this together. I'll read the first line. And then if you would, let's read in a loud voice the, the response, the refrain, his faithful love endures forever. Let's proclaim this to each other. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His faithful love endures forever. He brought Israel out of Egypt. His faithful love endures forever. He acted with a strong hand and a powerful arm. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who parted the Red Sea. His faithful love endures forever. He led Israel safely through. His faithful love endures forever. But he hurled Pharaoh and his army into the Red Sea. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who led his people through the wilderness. His faithful love endures forever. He remembered us in our weaknesses. His faithful love endures forever. He saved us from our enemies. His faithful love endures forever. Last one, give thanks to the God of heaven. His faithful love endures forever. Let's sing together.